Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be back with you. Before we continue our conversations with students and healers from the divine lineage, I want to share a little more about my personal exploration. And this episode is a replay of an episode that aired on the Star Family Wisdom podcast. So if you are following Star Family Wisdom, you can skip this one. If you're not yet following the Star Family Wisdom podcast, this will be relevant to give you some context into some of the conversations and explorations that led me here. We just finished up an incredible Sai Shakti healing satsang workshop session with Nityanandaji and Madaji from the Divine Mother Center. They run a virtual ashram for any student who is interested in diving into the teachings, the practices of this lineage. And within that virtual ashram, there are so many amazing resources that one can partake in. And in this session today, Madaji generously shared about some of her past history with masters, masters um, in addition to Sri Kaleshwar, who she received Shaktipat from. Shaktipat being that direct energy transmission from the divine, from the cosmic kundalini, the cosmic energy channels. And, and she talked about this moment of finding Jesus on her path and, and, and long ago having this experience of Jesus just being everywhere. And, and that's relevant for this episode because this is a conversation between myself and Eric Rankin. Eric Rankin is a researcher and speaker and author who wrote a book called As Above, So Below, The Quantum Teachings of Jesus. Eric also does extensive research on sacred geometry and sonic geometry and the vibrations and frequencies that are embedded within the teachings of Jesus, these, these quantum vibrations that we can connect with that bring us into that state of wholeness. So within the Sai Shakti healing tradition, that's what it's all about. It's about becoming a divine channel for these vibrations, these energies that align our field with cosmic harmony. So, so Eric and I had a really fun conversation about all of that and about the role of sacred geometry in our healing process. And at Star Family Wisdom, we teach about sacred geometry. We have a sacred geometry instructor and, and we really value the process of drawing sacred geometry for the purpose of transformation and bringing our energy fields back into harmony. So, so in this conversation, I also share with Eric about my journey engaging some of the divine channels, the mantra and yantra systems. And towards the end of the episode, I share a, a brief example of what's possible of an incident that occurred. I say incident um, because this was somewhat of a miraculous manifestation that happened. And and it's my understanding through you know the work I've done and 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 the the engagement of the energy channels that you know ultimately we can just get into the state where the energetic conditions are created for these sorts of manifestations to occur. So 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 I won't spill the beans on that. You can you can hear that in the episode, but. But I wanted to share this because it's another example of, of what's possible. And it's an example of how the teachings within the divine lineage and the systems that we engage are in some ways being recognized in other ways in the field of quantum research, in the field of consciousness research, in the field of sacred geometry research. 
And it's one of my passions to connect the dots on all of those topics. So, so that's what I've been doing in my personal exploration and my journey through Star Family Wisdom. And so I wanted to bring this conversation to you and, and we'll have a little overlap here at the beginning where I share some of what I've shared through Star Family Wisdom just to help folks find that content and to, and to give some context to you know, why I'm doing this podcast and, and you know, why I felt guided um, down this path. So enjoy this conversation with Eric and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Supernatural Souls podcast. I'm Jenna Layden, your host. I'm also a former global vice president for Whole Foods Market, a former atheist, and the founder of Star Family Wisdom, a modern day mystery school for your spiritual and cosmic evolution. You're probably wondering how a former atheist ended up here, so we'll get into that soon. To make a long story short, I had some help from a very specific group of supernatural souls. And on this podcast, we explore the lives, teachings, and energies of these supernatural souls. In this group, we include Jesus Christ and Mother Mary, who you might be familiar with from the Christian religion, and also Shirdi Sai Baba and Sri Kaleshwar, two Indian saints of the Hindu tradition who helped to reveal the real life teachings and spiritual practices of Jesus and his disciples. Here we discover the intersection of Hindu spirituality with Christianity and learn about the lost history and lost spiritual practices that have finally been revealed. The story of this unlikely cast of characters teaming up to deliver the world's most advanced spiritual practices and spiritual technologies will be our focus. Because the supernatural is actually super common, it's just been misunderstood in many ways. In fact, Jesus remembered and activated his supernatural abilities in India with the use of powerful mantra and yantra systems, which were recently found in the ancient Indian palm leaf manuscripts and brought to the world by Saint Sri Kaleshwar. It's not often you find a Jesus temple in an Indian ashram, but after accessing his own past life memories of living and working with Jesus, Saint Sri Kaleshwar accepted his mission to reveal the truth. Sri Kaleshwar took his Maha Samadhi and left Earth in 2012, but he left behind an extraordinary group of healers, students, and some of the most important knowledge in the world. Here we interview the followers and students of Sri Kaleshwar and Shirdi Sai Baba, welcoming the energy, love, and wisdom of these supernatural souls into our lives. Together, we'll discuss the teachings and practices that have been employed by many ancient and modern masters to gain the high divine supernatural abilities that were once considered magic. So as we explore the lives and wisdom of these supernatural souls and their students, may we all remember ourselves as supernatural souls and embody the true teachings and wisdom of the many masters who have walked before us. Welcome, Eric. It's so good to have you here. I've been I've been looking forward to this conversation since uh, April, since the Portal to Ascension conference. Yep. Yeah. And that was a great conference. I love the smaller, more intimate conferences like that, where you actually get a chance to to talk with people and meet and get a little bit of backstory rather than just jump from, I spoke at Contact in the Desert, which is amazing, but it's it's big and kind of hectic almost. Yeah, yeah, huge. I didn't get to go this year, maybe next year. But yeah, um, yeah for those who weren't with us at the Portal to Ascension conference, Eric was a speaker, I was a speaker, and Eric spoke about sonic geometry and the quantum teachings of Jesus. And this was interesting timing because I was at the conference speaking about my recent work engaging the ancient spiritual practices and technologies of Jesus and the Holy Family. So Eric and I connected there and, and I got a copy of Eric's book, As Above, So Below, and it has been 
so profound for me connecting the dots on his work and some of my recent work. So I wanted to have Eric on. Eric, I'm so fascinated by just how you got into your exploration of all of this. I want to start with geometry as just kind of a, uh, I guess, a foundation, you know, for folks before we get into the, the quantum teachings of Jesus and we're sacred geometry nerds at Star Family Wisdom. We're, we're all about the sacred geometry. So, so this is, this is definitely meant to be. So how did, I guess, start with you, how'd you get into it? How did you find sacred geometry? How'd you start your research? Well, um, it's interesting the geometric aspect because the the Jesus aspect goes back to you know being raised as in a Christian family kind of thing. That's sort of fundamentally been with me. But um, I got introduced into my, the sonic geometry work and I failed. It's ironic every time I give a talk because I I not only hated math but I failed math, failed geometry in high school. Never took anything. In, I only went to college for six months and none of those were math classes. So it's funny that I'm will stand in front of hundreds of people and talk about geometry or physics uh, just because that wasn't in my background. I got turned on to a place called the Integratron uh, out in Joshua Tree, California, and it is known as a frequency machine. So when you go, you're exposed to the ideas of frequency. And I did write a book called The Aquarians, um, which was all about dolphins. It was a 2012 you know, apocalypse story to a degree, and dolphins know something about the Earth, the past, present, and potentially future. And dolphins and whales are Earth's masters of frequency. I mean, where we consider mostly just what we can hear with our ears and, and pleasing music and tones, very limited bandwidth of frequencies. Right. Uh, most of the hearing in Hertz cycles, vibrations per second, are in the hundreds to low thousands. Dolphins are relating to each other in the tens of thousands, 50, 60, 70,000 hertz, um, literally seeing inside of each other like an ultrasound machine. We got that idea of an ultrasound from dolphins, and they can truly see into each other when we talk about in woo or spiritual circles, right. you know, transparently to each other, they literally do that. That you, makes sense. I hadn't really uh, thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You can't ask a dolphin. One dolphin could not ask another dolphin, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Why? Because they yeah. say, oh, I see you haven't eaten and you've got a disease and, you know, your pulse is elevated and your heart's disease. It's it's truly, uh, the more you learn about dolphins, the more alien-like they are. So I became interested in, more interested in frequency after going to the Integratron and I, I heard a voice the first time I went there. I, I heard a voice, and I at the time, this is going back 11, uh, no, longer than that, 13 years ago or so, and it was find the frequency. This is a frequency machine, but there are certain frequencies that are more important in the activation of this device mm -hmm. uh, than others. And so I kind of went on a quest of just playing around with tones and experimenting with tones in there. I booked it privately and we we did all kinds of stuff. Nothing was really doing much until a day that we took standard pitch tuning and we were playing a particular tone and dropped it with pitch wheels down. And we had tons of equipment. It was excessively loud, but something happened. We were playing an F sharp. And when we lowered it, the hair, there was a guy opposite of the building for me. It's about 40 feet around. We both got the spine tingles and the hair standing up my hair standing Eric, up. i just got i just got it when you said f sharp <laughs> yeah and we're like, like what was that so i realized it was in the neighborhood of f sharp um but it wasn't but it was dropped tuning and i wasn't even familiar with what we now call concert tuning or 432 uh centered tuning mm -hmm. so my search went on for other variations of f sharp and one of them was 180 cycles per second or 90, or 360, and all of a sudden, those are all octaves of that F-sharp tone. All of a sudden, there was other information that I wasn't expecting to find. If you flash a light 180 times, plants grow faster, or, you know, all these different things. So I'm like, there's something to think about. And it wasn't till maybe two years later, and I was in my office building. I manage an office building. I have a quote-unquote real job. And I heard a clear, clearest voice I've ever heard, like, hey, Eric, go into your conference room and draw a triangle on the whiteboard. And I'm like, who am I listening to? What am I doing? But I did it. 
And I said, I have no idea why I'm doing it. Am I done? And they said, no, play that as a tone. And I'm like, play that as a tone? How would I even do that? Well, we in our phones, we all have apps now where you can load instantaneously a tone, gen a tone generating app. I played 180 hertz. That's the sum total of a triangle of its three angles. We'll always 180. And I heard a tone and I'm like, okay, am I done? They're like, no, go through all the flat plane geometry, the squares, circles, hexagons, hexagons, all the way up to an octagon. I did that. And I realized that the tones were a, what we call a major chord in music. I'm a musician and I'm not a great musician, but I know that much of music theory that a major chord is like the most pleasing to our ears. And geometry was playing, all these shapes were playing one of these three tones to build a beautiful F sharp major chord. And I'm like, wow, that is fascinating. Something I wanna learn more about. I ran to my computer, looked up everything I could, geometry revealing major chord harmonics or harmonics or anything. There was zero. And I'm like, I this is crazy because I know Pythagoras said there is geometry in the hum of strings. Right. This idea that geometry is somehow revealing significant tones. And somehow I became the guy that made that connection and discovered <laughs> tones were. I love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Most unlikely, you know, my guides that come in is like, truly, you are the least likely to succeed on our race. <laughs> I love it. But you, but you listened, you followed the guidance. and I, I followed some guidance. I don't think I ever told you when we connected that that's how my awakening started. You know, mm. I, I was very closed off to everything spiritual. And then, then as that opening started to occur and I started to ask questions, boom, I started to get guidance. And at first yeah. it was like, Really? <laughs> really? Right. You're supposed to follow this? But look at where it leads you. Oh my goodness. So yeah, so guidance, yeah, guidance and discernment are then a part yes. because you know you start hearing voices in your head and you're like, Am I going crazy? Which I kind of thought. Uh, yeah. a complex bunch of information came in about an hour's time. I truly it looked my whiteboard looked like the guy in beautiful mind, just am I seeing the secrets? By just going crazy. That's so amazing. <laughs> what, 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 how did how did you arrive at the the I guess discernment that it, it was helpful, supportive, positive in nature? Great question. Yeah, that's that's yeah. actually the question. Is in my work and research, everything became perfectly like gears and a Swiss watch interrelated. It's an affirmation process. If I did, and I was guided to do certain research, like why is a circle 360 degrees? That's a huge thing because that's where geometry is measured by a circle being 360 degrees. You drop into a story, you drop into a narrative, you drop into a certain math system that is not metrics. It's called sexagesimal math based on 12s and 60s. Where did that come from? Ancient culture, Samaria, 6,000 years ago. What else did they do? Virtually every. Everything that we use today came from there, a civilization, first written language and technology. And all of all of it, all this information as I followed it, the image I use, I don't know if I used it in the lecture uh, there at, at uh, Portal, but it's like the Ouroboros, a snake eating its tail. To me, like a logic loop. If you're in the loop, you, you'll you'll keep getting affirmations and, and synchronistic and coincidental codes and clues that will show you more but go back in on itself it's not like you're fudging am i imagining this is it kind of close am i sort of on the track this was precision without any deviation and i'm like this has to mean something you cannot have this degree of coincidence um mathematically mythologically spiritually um without it meaning something so i feel i'm still on the the pace of of what is the ultimate meaning but man, is it fascinating. And people much smarter than me have taken the information that I was revealed to me and done much more, in, you know, amazing things with it. Well, what I've been starting to see is this like intersection between sacred geometry and this understanding of our human energy field, right? So, so it, it seems like your work <clears throat> started to help you understand the the harmonic like ratios of you know how energy is structured how energy flows in the universe and how that relates to the human so it seems like 
like that exercise of finding the the F sharp major that my brain's not as good in that that realm but but when you you found that particular um you know kind of set of chords it's like that's the harmony right like like we're talking about harmony ultimately it's literal harmony i mean in the truest sense so physicists now i mean this is a fairly modern concept maybe in the last 60 70 years that there's a geometric essence it's always been there if you look at the way plants grow and the fibonacci and the pineal patterning it's always been there but we start relating to the in crystal formation geometry is the background field and consciousness now that's a scary thing for physicists to talk about but it seems like conscious geometry is the background field of everything we call existence reality so if if the universe is geometric in nature and geometry reveals these harmonic principles all of a sudden you have a system that is working in harmony with itself. And that was kind of a major revelation from this is like, what a beautiful thought. Not only is everything connected, there's physicists like Nassim Harriman talk about, now we have, and everything is harmonic. It's a beautiful system that we can start teasing out, playing with aspects of it, tones and frequencies and math, you know, number codes, plugging them in and going, holy moly, something is really here. And it's almost like a time release pill. We have been, humanity has been either haunted or gifted by these number codes. Joseph Campbell, the guy who talked about the hero's journey, while he was studying myth culture, he realized that embedded in many religious teachings, spiritual practices, architecture, myth stories, were these number codes. Right. He, all he could do was make note of them. Like, why is 432 here in this culture, in this culture, in this culture? Well, now we start putting pieces of this puzzle together because we have the technology to measure large things like the diameter of the sun or things that we couldn't do before. And we start plugging these numbers in and they fit absolutely perfectly. So we have to, as hard as it is, there's such an avalanche of evidence that we have to stand back and go some form of intelligence yeah. knew this possibly invented this and wanted us to know this at some point, but it was like timed release right. where when they reach a certain level of technical ability, they will start to be able to see how all this fits together. And that's where we're at right now. Right. Like we're recognizing there is an intelligent design. There is a blueprint. And like you talk about the blueprint of creation. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's, it, it seems as though the sacred geometry is the blueprint so when we work with the when we work with the blueprint that brings our blueprint into alignment with the harmony it's supposed to be in alignment with right you are just now you're living in the matrix so you can use the the micro version of it like the movie in yeah. the matrix once neo realized or morpheus or any of them realized they were in it they can manipulate the parameters the design of that small localized matrix now we're talking about the universal matrix. Right. True, are there some building blocks that are constant throughout the universe and sacred geometry in its multidimensional form? Now, most people only equate sacred geometry into a, a 2D flower of life, flat plane uh, expression. But I believe, uh, as I was opened up to between the creation of the two major videos we created, the sonic geometry videos, that it was always hinting, just like in the movie Contact, if you remember this, uh, a scene where uh, we had finally made established communication with the Vegans, you know, uh, and they sent 63,000 pages of information that looked like should be something incredible, but we couldn't decipher it. And it was like it was in the, the millionaire who was funding the research said, if we're, we're going to communicate with a more advanced species, we have to do it their way. And they're functioning on multi-levels and multi-dimensions. And so the flower of life, here's a perfect example. This would be a petal of the flower of life. You know, that's 60 degrees of arc. There are six of them in a circle that makes uh, the continuing pattern. But this is actually a dimensional shape. It is mm -hmm. flat on a page. It is a dimensional form. And this is the true smallest geometric form which you could call the holy grail because most physicists 
mathematicians would say this is, that's a tetrahedron. Um, it's flat, it has to have surfaces, edges, and points to be a geometric solid. Well, this has surfaces, edges, and points, but by the introduction of curve of femininity into it and flow, like philosopher Alan Watts said, the whole universe is wiggly. What's our obsession with straightness? <laughs> I love that. And Walter Russell, a physicist around yeah. the time of Tesla, said all motion is spiral and all direction is curve. Yeah. That's this in multi-forms. What I was able to discover, which you didn't see, you want, you want to see my close encounter moment? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so there is a structure called the vector equilibrium. Uh, Buckminster Fuller called the secrets of the universe. He, he thought it was the universal geometric code of the universe. Um, it's comprised of eight of these tetrahedrons, and it builds a structure that has a true zero point in the middle. Mm -hmm. All of the vectors are equal length and equal offset of each other, and it just keeps building octaves of itself from any point anywhere. So if it had a little edge to it, that would be the beginning of the exact same structure. Mm -hmm. So we're all in our own universe, universe of this geometric structure. So I'm going to show you how that relates very quickly, if I can. Uh, to sacred geometry. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> take a minute. Uh, oh. um. We actually offer sacred geometry drawing courses at Star Family Wisdom because we recognize the importance of engaging these patterns, these structures for the purpose of you know bringing our energy field back into harmony and 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 when you draw it and and work with the flower of life vector equilibrium like you can you can access you know higher states of consciousness higher intelligence like that well because you're consciously consciously thinking that you are in that field right if right you tell yourself i am in that field that all things are start sounding very jesusy um, then you're able to potentially manipulate what we call reality. Yeah. You bend the rules, just like in the movie, The Matrix, you're, and you know how to fly, like Neo did at the end of the first Matrix. He, he could control and do what looked like a miracle to anybody else. He was just working with the structure of The Matrix. So um, rather than straight lines in the vector equilibrium, we're going to have now in 12 of them, we're going to have 12 pulses, which makes a lot more sense because everything is pulse. And the core cluster would look a lot like this. We've replaced every straight line with that dimensional, what the inventor of it called the trion ray. So I had this shape and I said, I want to see what that does. So I, I did it the quickest way I could. And I got pipe cleaners and styrofoam balls. And here at the top is more or less that star cluster. You can probably see it there. Oh, amazing. If you're not, if you're not watching on YouTube, jump over to YouTube so you can see Eric show the geometric model. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking at this and I'm seeing this multidimensional star cluster. And I'm like, I'm just gonna let it build this is Buckminster Fuller's model, but only on curvilinear space now in pulse. And I just let it build and build and design itself. And I had no idea that when I flipped it over from the flat table it was on, it was two-dimensional sacred geometry. Oh, there it is. Oh, amazing. The Look at that. 2D becomes actually 4D. There are four planes orbits around each of these structures. So that star cluster takes you to flat, just mm -hmm. like in the movie context. If you're thinking dimensionally, will take you to the star. So... I don't usually show that because it's a little complicated, but we're oh, here. I my, and I, I will tell you. Yeah, um, go ahead, Eric. Uh, real quick, I will. Anybody that thinks, well, that's his opinion. And who is he? He's already said he didn't know anything about geometry. Um, happened to have the privilege of some of the workshops I was in in think tanks. One of the world's top physicists uh, was on my podcast here in Laguna Beach. We met for dinner here in my little apartment. Super nice guy, Manas Kafados. He's written more books about physics and spirituality, written, written books with Deepak Chopra, New York Times bestsellers, dean of physics, travels around the world talking about quantum physics. He saw that exact model I just showed you. And he goes, where did you get your physics degree? And I go, I never did. 
And he said, how did you build that? And I kind of gave him the quick version like I mm -hmm. And he goes, that is the most elegant and beautiful model of the quantum universe I have ever seen. <laughs> oh, Eric, oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> and I'm not making that up. I have witnesses, Michelle Anderson, who, who spoke at uh, Portal to Ascension. She was here that oh night. Oh my goodness. Oh, podcast. wow. So um, I believe all along that what sacred geometry is, is a blueprint, a flat 2D blueprint um, trying to inform us of a much more complex and, and but even more beautiful multidimensional structure. I agree. I agree. And I, I, it resonates so deeply with me, you know, on, on that level of this is truth, you know, yeah. and, and when you start to work with it in your life and you recognize how it affects energy and it shifts your energy, you've got you know, evidence that starts to build, you know, related to the geometry and, and recent evidence, Eric, this is another piece of validation, I think, for, for you and your work and how you've been guided and why we are connecting. When I started to engage these spiritual technologies from India that Yeshua, Jesus, and, and his crew, the disciples all used back in the day, as these you know, were presented to the world by Sri Kaleshwar, he talks about these specific mantras being some of the most powerful in the world because they are based off of the root sounds of creation, meaning the root frequencies of creation, these frequencies that align with the geometric structure and harmony of the universe. And he talks about how you know, when we utilize these, these mantras, it is opening these channels these you know we're, we're, we're shifting the geometry to open energy channels and he talks about yantras which are involved in this practice which most of them are just say 2d sacred geometry on paper that the yantra is the the physical blueprint of the sounds of god you know see so so it all ties together so we have this 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 you know, understanding now of, you know, even some of these ancient spiritual practices being related to sacred geometry. Well, it's almost as if um, we were guided to what could be the frequency. And we, when Joseph Campbell realized this number 432 came in, our tuning used to be based around concert tuning, 432. We find old instruments, thousands of years old, before anybody understood anything about Hertz or anything, but a note in there, the central note, would have been that 432A. We would we call that A in our scale. Could be called anything. Or the octaves down. So half of 432, that would be the lower octave. That's 216. Half of that would be 108. And 108 is a clue that seems to be embedded all over the place, including... Um, you know, all the beads, all the beads, exactly yep. 108. Um, the meditating Buddha, a lot of people think he's got, you know, curly hair and, uh, you know, little tight curls. Those are snails that decided to climb up his spine and cool his head as he was meditating in the hot sun. Exactly 108 of those in that story. And 108 just shows up over and over and over again. You go into the Great Pyramid of Giza and you just move sound. You don't have to create a tone. You just snap your hands. And it will send a non-tonal vibration out, and that be, will resonate back to you at perfect 108 cycles per second. So there is something about, and and if Earth's signature uh, frequency is somehow related to 432, it's incredible that half 432 is the number of sequence 216, which is the diameter of the moon in miles. And double it is 864, and 864 is the number sequence of the sun in diameter and miles, just <laughs> behind it. There's these type of clues that are just hiding in plain sight for us to, to take notice of and go, what are, is it like a simulation? Are we living, if, if not a simulation, then certainly a designed creation? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's it. it, it yeah, that's not a coincidence. Not <laughs> no, that's a coincidence. not a coincidence, right? It's like you, when when one of those things was found, you know, maybe you know scientists could say, well, that's interesting. But you start to stack the evidence, and it is very clear we're living in a, a an intelligently designed universe, and it, and it appears as though it is designed for this divine harmonic. That there is this there is this 
this pattern that we can align with that just creates harmony. And you talk about the number 12 in your book, As Above, So Below, and mm -hmm. you talk about the number 12 appearing in the Bible over and over and over. You talk about Jesus having 12 disciples and, and the number 12 also starting to not be a coincidence. So, so talk about the number 12 and what its significance is. Yeah, so we uh, here in the United States, we're the oddballs. We're one of the last cultures on the planets of civilization um, to still be in the imperial measuring system, 12 inches to a foot and all those base 12 things, where the rest of the world has pretty much gone metric, which is base 10. It would seem to make sense that base 10 would have been where we started because we have 10 fingers to count on, but there was a culture at the same time that most of humanity was coming out of this hunter-gatherer existence, there was a culture that just sprang up out of new, nowhere, almost archaeologically speaking, overnight in modern-day Iraq, in the birth stories, the creation stories between the Tigris and Euphrates River, you know, where the Garden of Eden was. And we have these inventions, but they're all based on 12s, and 12 five times is 60. So all these 12s and 60s launched all these number codes that we use and give us so yeah just the number itself i was on ancient aliens on one of the episodes i was on it's called the divine number and it was all about 12 and you think of it's so weird to me that no one ever asks why do we measure you know so there's 12 inches to a foot and a dozen eggs and 12 times 12 is a gross most common packaging um 12 months to a year 12 zodiac signs why do we keep wanting to return to 12 and it just seems like it's because there's a harmonic aspect to the creation story in the number 12 and in mythology 12 knights of the round table and 12 disciples jesus and all the 12s it just becomes um something you can't ignore once you become aware of it right i was reading something recently about um you know even uh you know, previous, you know, versions of our civilization, you know, would arrange like their kingdoms, you know, different kings would even choose, you know, 12 districts or whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and, and like geographically arrange their kingdom, their cities, whatever, in some sort of, you know, segmentation of 12 to create and, that sort of harmonic. So it seems as though this, this, this ancient information, you know, kept with us for some period of time, but it's just been slowly without, until the, now. Yeah. The, without a reason why that's, you could go to all these religions and go, why are there 12? Go to ancient Greece, mother of democracy, 12 gods and goddesses. Ancient Rome, second most, you know, hugest civilization, the same 12 gods and goddesses with just different names, but this 12, and it's like, well, why did you pick 12? I don't think you'll get an answer. It's just like it, it felt right. It seemed like it fits into nature somehow. There's never the, the all-encompassing explanation, why 12 or why 60? But when you employ the 12s and 60s, all of a sudden, the universe opens up. It really does, because you will get these affirmations and see these numbers over, know how matter, how complex you get with your computations, you will go, there it is again. There's 144, there's 72, there's multiples of 360 of 432. You can't avoid it. It almost becomes spooky. <laughs> Do these advanced computations yeah. and hear these same numbers keep showing up. Right, right. It's like it, it, it becomes very much in your face where you can't, you can't ignore it. And it, it forces you to reconcile with those, those questions about life and existence and. Well, it invites you. <laughs> it force you. It only, it only people that, you know, I, what do you want to call us? Geeks and nerds and something like that. So they want to think. Yeah. A, <laughs> a narrative. Yeah. Curious. So yeah. the invitation has been there for 6,000 years. What we do with that invitation say, yes, I would like to learn more about this. It doesn't seem like very many people have done. And yet the reward is humongous because all of a sudden you are in the design. You are in the mother matrix, not the manufactured matrix. You are in like the mother matrix. And it doesn't answer all the questions, 
It doesn't answer about God, first cause, first vibration, any of that stuff, but it certainly takes you further into the mystery for sure. Right. And it, it, it you know, is my opinion that by aligning with that mother matrix, I, I like the way you, you talk about that, that, you know, that is aligning ourselves with God. It's, it's helping us, you know, experience life from a more divine perspective or positive perspective, whatever, you know, word feels good, you know, to you. It's, it's, it's about experiencing life in the harmonious way that the universe seems to be designed to support. And when you talk about the matrix, the manufactured matrix, you know, for anyone who isn't, you know, maybe aware of those sorts of terms, you know, that to me speaks to the distortion that has happened on earth, right? It's like there, there was maybe a perfected matrix on earth at one point, but, but as we went into, you know, the more destructive aspects of human behavior and, and, and into our dark ages, which we know, you know, more about now with the cycles of time, it's like, we, we created so much distortion in the energy field here on earth that we, we lost connection with the, the actual matrix of reality. And how did we lose that connection? Did we just fall asleep at the wheel or were we intentionally taken off the scent? And I, I can't say I can answer that either way, but there's a good argument to be made for either. Or did we consciously deny? So we are unique. As far as we know, the human species unique is that we're conscious sentient beings that can make choice. Even when we see all this information and can view the universe as this beautifully designed harmonious system, we still have the choice. Would you like to participate in the harmonious aspect right. of it? Or the choices you make, do you not know that they are dissonant to the harmonious aspect of the universe? And most people, I think, in their heart would go, no, I don't want to be dissonant. I don't want to be a virus, say, in the matrix. I don't want to be a cancer cell. I want to be a part of the health of it. But fear seeps in, and we, we acquiesce to fear in one way or another. We either then... The few that know this information said, we'll manage this from here. We know more than you. We're better equipped to manage you using this information. And that's religion in a nutshell often. In the yeah. old, old models of religion, the select few will dole out the information to the dumbed down masses that they are just easier to control. I don't know where that model came from, but it seems like it also came from at the same time that the Sumerians were getting all this incredible information, inventions. They were also living in one of the first major models of the hierarchy of government of the few elite ruling the masses. And that I don't think that was ever a part of supposed to be the macro system. You will see, like in, in nature, you'll see the pride of lions and you have, you know, the hierarchical, you'll have the male, but those are just the small tribe. You're not talking about the bigger picture of all the tribes functioning together harmoniously. Then you have to, then you have to think differently. You have to think much bigger. Right. It's we we ended up in a place where we forgot that the fundamental like aspect of nature is cooperation. It's not competition, <laughs> and it's right. and, and 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 we we bought into this idea that it is and. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just so excited that we're at this point in time, though, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult coming out of the Kali Yuga, you know, the period of dark ages that we've been in because of the level of distortion that has occurred. But, oh, my goodness, you know, the, the, the opportunity we have right now to, to utilize these tools and this, this wisdom, you know, that, that you've been able to download and that has just exploded, you know, across the world through, through other, you know, research avenues, like we have this incredible opportunity to activate within us, you know, these latent abilities, this, this, this version of human that, I think we once were. I was just recording a video about DNA activation and epigenetics, and 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 based on you know what you're presenting, that points directly to 
DNA activation and, and, and utilizing these harmonic tools, I guess, that we have to, to bring our system online. It's like there's, there's all these parts of ourselves that haven't been turned on um, because we've been living out of harmony. And to me, bringing it, bringing it back to the book, as above, so below, the quantum teachings, <laughs> that seems to be the message to me, is yeah. one, if we look at Jesus and go, how could a person walk on water, do all these miracles? Well, if they were fully activated, and how it happened, uh, who knows, but a fully actualized, or much more fully than us, maybe not fully, fully, actualized human being could do things that looked like miracles to everybody else. And more, so many times in the Gospels and the canonized Gospels and the non-canonized Gospels, Thomas, Mary, Judas, um, um, Philip, there's a few. He says, you can do these things. You, I am not, yeah. I'm not here to tell you I'm unique and the only one that can do these things. Right down to walking on water. He's out in the storm. He approaches his team of disciples. They're already on the boat. He comes out and they're like, oh my God, you're walking the water. And Peter, one of his disciples says, can I do that, master, teacher? And he goes, you can. And he actually, Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water for a few steps and then freaks out by the real <laughs> what he's doing and lets his monkey mind come back into it. And he sinks and Jesus grabs him. That's in the Bible. It's not mentioned very often in the Bible. You want you're steered by religion to think no Jesus is something so different and none of us are like that you can't walk on water well in your book that you're quoting to me a human did walk on the water so it, obviously that potential is there and one of the things that blends to me because I have portraits of Jesus or, or, or a couple amidst my models and I'm like how do these communicate with each other and it was when I read the Gospel of Thomas, which is one of the non-canonized Gospels. You have to go out and find it. And his disciples are getting ready to head out and do their ministry. And they said, how do we tell people, how do we convince people that you more or less know what God knows? That God is within you so much that you are truly aware of what God is. And you are a true representative. And he says, tell them I am motion and rest. Mm. We're a physicist trying to break down the most fundamental aspect of what we are. Motion and rest is pulse. Pulse is frequency. Frequency is sound. Sound is vibration. Yeah. 2,000 years later, Tesla said, if you want to understand the mysteries of the universe, think of energy, frequency, and vibration. Jesus said, motion and rest. And that motion is the masculine aspect of God. And Rest is the feminine aspect of God. So then you have those two energies in balance. You need both. You have to have both. Otherwise, you're back in static form. This does not right. motion and rest, but this does. Waveform, right. motion, rest point. Motion, rest point. That's mm -hmm. what this is. When we see a, a guitar string vibrating on an oscilloscope, it just looks 2D because that's the way it's being presented to us. But it's more like this. It's spiraling and bouncing and doing all kinds of things. But if you take that spiral and say, what is its most elemental geometric representation? It's this. Can't get smaller than three. Because if it's only two planes of existence or, you know, it's back to 2D. If it's this, now you're in the multiverse. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> we're in the multiverse now. We're not in Kansas anymore, Eric. No, <laughs> we never were. We were just <laughs> asleep at the wheel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're waking up now. Thank goodness. Hopefully. Uh, another thing. <laughs> another thing you talk about in the in the book that I want to touch on because I think it's it's a for me a beautiful perspective on the topic of ascension. You know, in our our spiritual community, there's so much talk about ascension and. And in Christianity, there's so much talk about the rapture. And, and I think that we've kind of gotten both topics a little mixed up at times, or, or we've, you know, had these really grandiose ideas about what that is. And you talk about 
the book of Revelation and some of the like apocalyptic, you know, references that go on in the Bible and, um, and that that passage where Jesus talks about, you know, one person in, being in the field, or two people being in the field, you know, one, one will ascend, one will leave, I forget the exact, you know, words. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you have a really interesting perspective on that. So I'd love for you to share that. <laughs> that was uh, so I was able in the context of this simple book it's a short book you know 190 pages or so uh I wanted to in- introduce some of the there's about five or six of the mind-blowing quantum field theories and I don't want to say dumb them down but that it expresses the essence of what it is making it accessible yeah so one of the most famous uh, thought experiences experiments is called Schrodinger's cat a German physicist it was a strictly thought experiment, but they were arguing about how could you know what some, is happening somewhere without seeing it? He goes, well, that's exactly right. So he had this model of a cat in a box with some poisoned food. And then you put the lid on it and say, now let's conjecture all you want. Is the cat alive? Did it eat the food? Did it die? Is the cat dead? All these things. And everyone had their formulations of why they could determine before the lid was removed what you're going to find. And he goes, it's only at the removing of the lid are you going to know. Until then, the cat is both dead and alive. Both probabilities exist. Both probabilities exist. And that's the point I made in where we are right now. And the point that Jesus said, two people in the field, it's like, and I don't use the word, even though my podcast is called Awakening Code Radio, I don't use the past tense version of enlightened or awakened But the person that is on awakening path is going to start living a certain way, seeing certain things, comprehending this reality a certain way, while the other person is just taking their orders and doing their due diligence and working their ass off and paying their taxes and mortgage and everything else. And it's truly like they're living side by side in two different realities. And And you won't know what side of the reality equation you were on until literally the word apocalypse doesn't mean the thinning of the veils or end of the world. It means, in Greek, to take the lid off something. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think we're in a slow roll apocalypse right now, that it is happening all around us. And there are people waking up and going, I see. And this is how I'm going to live once I see and learn more. You never fully see all, all of it. Or you just go, no, I'm going to just stay living, taking the blue." every day and do what I'm told to do. And I stopped doing that pretty early in my life. And uh, that was the biggest gift is I felt like I kind of saw, I'm not going to, my parents were both very workaday people, very proud people, very in their own way, materialistic. The, the nicer stuff you had, the more you won the game. That's right. we're kind of the American dream is kind of like, yeah. and I'm like, I'm not doing that. I, I don't need as much stuff. Um, and it's a burden in the end. I've, did live a phase of my life having all the toys. I worked as as a yacht broker, you know, drove the Corvette and had the fancy boats and the motorhomes and all that stuff. And one by one, as those things went away, I realized I didn't feel sad. And there was almost a little bit of a celebration, have a simpler life. And now I live the most simplest version of my life I've ever lived. And it's the most beautiful. Mm, I love that. I think that's such a, that's such a cool reflection you know to to offer folks is the the material stuff is it really worth it you know is there, or is it just a burden and i agree you know i think i i have a similar opinion about just the shifting in consciousness and that it you know i don't think the rapture is some grand event you know where some people get taken somewhere and some people don't like i think it, it is that it's just this natural evolution that's occurring on earth right now because we have this opportunity you know to right. to, to, to open up to the, you know the consciousness of the universe and 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 that that fundamental structure of reality that we've been kind of disconnected from and 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 you know as I guess I've done you know a lot of work to shift my energy and work with geometry and you know start you know utilizing these these practices the 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 aspect of just experiencing reality really differently than other people it's it's not just i think about like being awake it's like the miraculous does start to occur like you're you're living in this flow of synchronicity and support and guidance and like what you've experienced and and that 
is just a completely different way of operating and, and living. So it, it's like we're just living together in two different realities on earth. <laughs> Truly. And, you know, when you, when you think about it, you said both um, ascension and uh, rapture, right. both outward, upward trajectories, and in many ways kind of negating this experience that we're actually in at the moment. And to me, what Christ consciousness actually means is to know those things, but live this to its fullest, this particular experience. And if there was a theme to Jesus' teachings, it says, if you're waiting to know what the heavenly kingdom is all about, stop, because you're living it right now. As Here's the as above, so below part, or as below, so above. As you are living right now, are you living in fear? Are you living in the power of the, your suggestive mind to yourself? I used to follow Wayne Dyer a lot. He was a in kind of opening me up in my 20s. And he told a story of, a, of, of just moving to Florida. And he was walking along the beach and met a woman and said, hey, I just moved here. How is it? And she said, it's amazing. The sunsets, the water, the dolphins, the everything about it. You're going to love it here. It's, I've lived here all my life and it's absolutely beautiful. Walks a little further down the beach. Same question, another woman he, he meets, and uh, how is it here? And she goes, oh, my, it's, it's the worst place I've ever lived. It's nothing but immigrants and mosquitoes and muggy weather and this and the blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, both of those women were living a truth. They were living completely in a truth that they made up themselves of what they chose to see, amplify, incorporate into their beingness. That's a huge gift and responsibility that we get to do that. But Jesus says, what you do is you carry that into your ascension process. That is part of it. So as you're thinking here now in the below, you are going to carry into your eternalness. And it might take you, you might really be slowing down your ascension process by not celebrating and fully engaging this localized corner of universe right because like we're here for this reason to be absolutely and live this life and and i i like to talk about creator school so a lot of people say you know this is earth school to learn lessons and grow which i totally agree with you know like that's part of the evolutionary process like we're we're learning lessons we're evolving as we do it all and like we're here to create our 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 experience of reality and 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 like you said it's like that perspective of a more heavenly reality or a perspective of a not so good reality. It's like, we get, we get to play in either one. We get to create yeah. that. Your infinity starts every new moment. I mean, yeah. your infinity doesn't start, you die and then you go. And that's the real payoff is your heaven awaits you. You're shaping your infinity, every single step, every choice you make in the here and now. And Truly, I, I, I don't know if I fully stated it, but the Christ consciousness move to me is to know that you're in something like an engineered simulation, but live as if you didn't know that. Right, that right. you're fully engaged in the teachings of this, but bringing them down into here. So all of the, the overarching fundamentals, co- kindness, compassion, love, forgiveness, service, you bring those into this field, and then you're affecting the outer field as the as above that. I mean, that wasn't a chance title. <laughs> I know people have talked about this, but truly, it, it, Christ's message, Jesus' message was truly as it is here on earth, as it is in heaven. So how you live here is greatly affecting your infinity. Why do you want to muck up infinite existence by your narrow view of what this miracle called life is right as soon as that light switch goes off in your head your life is never the same Mm, i love that yeah it's a light switch you're not fully awakened but it is a trigger moment like on a model rail range station that you switch tracks and you're forever on a different path yeah Mm, i love this i want to talk i want to talk so much more about all of this and, and 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 the practices I've been engaging. So I think Eric, you would have some ex, like profound experiences as you engage them because of the work you've already done. Like it, there's this 
this is not a coincidence that we're connecting. Speaking of there being no coincidences <laughs> and, 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 and the activation that's occurring. Um, I, before we wrap up, though, I want to touch on one more thing that I think is important in your book. You, you point out the role of Mary Magdalene and the Marys. And it's not a, you know, a big section of your book, but you just highlight the fact that you know, there's kind of been an overlooked importance you know to to their roles and yeah. and you know that mary magdalene was a, a very much a disciple you know with the similar power so you know i just i want to maybe wrap up there you know to, to honor the divine feminine and and just honor their role in in jesus's life and in how you view that yeah well you can't talk about creation as alan watts would describe it as a singularly cited event for every this there has to be the counterbalance in equal degree so if we've been indoctrinated with this patriarchal system of men ruling the world and men creating religion and men oppressing women they are just living in ignorance of the way the universe actually builds things so for whether we want to address it or not and jesus seems to have been very aware of it that for all of the masculine energy, you need that much feminine energy to make things continue to work. Right. There has to be that. For an up, there has to be a down. For a left, there has to be a right. For a push, there has to be a pull. That's the way physics works. So to just go, well, we're not going to honor the feminine. Well, you're just being ridiculous. If you start to truly understand the way this universe works, you would want to acknowledge all the, the principles that we would call feminine because that's where the magic is. If you go from this, a closed, rigid system, and just by inviting curve, feminine form, you unlock the secrets of the universe. I mean, how much more do you need than that? <laughs> <laughs> there it is, right there. That's <laughs> that's that's the quote quote of the century, quote of the millennia <laughs> on Earth. I yeah, love right. it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh. Well, I hear you're going to India. Have an amazing trip. Oh, thank you, Eric. Yeah, I'm going back. I got guided to go back. It's been this really fast progression of working through these practices and um, experiencing some really you know extraordinary energy shifts and. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll share this one little example with you since you shared the water example, which is kind of fun. Um, so in these systems, there is a set of mantras for the elements, you know, because elements are the bu building blocks, you know, of the physical reality. And, and so the five elements, earth, air, fire, water, ether, um, have mantra systems that are mantras that are associated with them. And when we use those mantras, it you know, activates our connection to the elements, brings those elements into balance in our field in a new way. And then ultimately, you know, if someone goes really far with the practices, like what Jesus was saying, you know, you can get command over reality, walk on water, that sort of stuff, right? So so I'm in this process of, you know, utilizing these mantras and I'm, I'm doing the element mantras and, and the day before this incident happened, I'd had one significant kind of physical thing happen when I was working with my ancestor altar. So I was starting to experience some kind of heightened like manifestation or interaction, you know, between, um, the spiritual realm and, and the physical and, so I'm, I'm doing the, the element mantras and I'm doing the water mantra and about halfway through the water mantra, I pause and I question, you know, what had happened the day before? Like, what was that thing that I experienced? And then I continue to you know, do the water mantra. All of a sudden I start to hear running water mm -hmm. and, and I, I pause and, it's just me in the house with my cat. The cat's with me in the meditation room. And I get up and I go into the hallway. The hall bath faucet had turned on. Oh my. <laughs> full force, <laughs> full force. And this is like a hard, you know, it's not like a slippery faucet right. or anything. You know, it's like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta really on it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> we just had a, we just had a major water activation happen, you know, with this water mantra. And then that happened again outside one day when I was in an area where there was a sprinkler system and I'm engaging this water mantra and boom, the sprinklers turn on. 
So, so I've had a couple of examples recently of, of just experiencing some interesting interaction, you know, between these frequencies, you know, these energy channels that can open up and what it affects in physical reality. So, um, I'll, I'll tell you, tell you more when I get back from India from this next How long? Well, and don't forget, you know, I opened my lectures always have with Einstein's quote, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. So I love it. <laughs> tell you they're here through the process of coincidence. It's up to you to put those together and think, what am I, am I getting an affirmation? Affirmation? Am I being guided to something? Yeah. How long are you going to be in India? A little over a week. So this, this is for the full moon in July. So every, every year on that full moon, the first full moon of July, it's the guru full moon and the energetics, like right after the solstice, which we're recording this on the solstice, which is really yeah, interesting. Right. Um, speaking of, you know, consciousness and inviting the light in um the guru full moon is an energetic time where you can more potently connect with masters gurus you know um in in the the field of consciousness so 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 i got guided to go back to to be there for that and 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 you know do practices be part of the the events that are happening so off I go back to India. I look forward to hearing about your experience. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been beautiful so far. And, and, and what you're sharing has just been so validating, you know, for what I've been, you know, working through throughout the course of this year. And I want to have more conversations. Cause I think you know, like, we're just scratching the surface on, I'm sure we will <laughs> on putting the, 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 the pieces of the puzzle back together. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Eric. And, and thank you everyone for, for tuning in and watching or listening. Check out the show notes for Eric's book. Get that. It's a beautiful reflection. You know, he, he writes about Jesus's story, but also shares his own personal reflections throughout it. Um, and you, know, you said it was a really cathartic experience for you, Eric. It was cathartic for me reading it. So I think that will be for, for others. Thank you. Write that in a review on Amazon for me. <laughs> yes, write a review for Eric <laughs> and, um, and, and and check out the, the links to his other videos below and um, and a couple other sacred geometry resources so that you can utilize this tool. It's an incredible tool for our expansion of consciousness. So we want to utilize those tools and um, and allow ourselves to expand and, and, and activate ourselves in all of the most beautiful ways. What we're here to do what we're here to do. All right. Thanks everyone. Bye Thank for you. now. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.